Welcome listener, this is Louis, host of The Cove, the podcast where we go deep with crypto builders along the path to 100 million daily signers. If my voice sounds a bit different, it's because I'm recording this intro without my usual equipment. Don't worry, the rest of the pod sounds much, much better. Today we have Austin Federa from the Solana Foundation to chat all things Solana. We talk about what Austin is excited for, what it's like being the face of the foundation on Twitter, what the role of the foundation is versus labs, and a ton more. Before we dive in, I'd like to share a bit about Streamflow who make this podcast possible. Streamflow is hassle-free on-chain token operations using money streams. Stop using an Excel sheet and start using Streamflow for automated token vesting and payroll. Streamflow is the market leader on Solana. Twice audited with over 500 million in TVL, 37,000 plus streams created and 40 plus clients, including outstanding teams like Raindrops, Hubble, Jungle DeFi, Heavenland, Genopets, and the list goes on. To set up hassle-free vesting contracts and automated payroll, head over to streamflow.finance and get started today. Okay, I'm super pumped to have Austin Federa, Head of Strategy at Solana Foundation on today. We're going to chat all things Foundation, Solana, what he's excited for, what's been going on in the community lately, um, and just really diving in. So welcome uh, onto the pod, Austin. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I feel like we were doing a bit of back and forth on Twitter for a while, but uh, I'm glad to finally have you on. Um, before we dive into like the juicy stuff, uh, the you know what's been going on lately, uh, for those who are living under a rock, they have not heard of you before, they, they're not familiar with you. Could you give the people just a brief like potted history about how you came into crypto, Solana Foundation and all that? Yeah, so I am the head of strategy at the Solana Foundation. Uh, you know, our focus of the foundation is really on sort of the uh, advancement, adoption, security and decentralization of the Solana blockchain. And the foundation does a ton of different work to support that from grants to some sort of, you know, work on helping coordinate things like standards to funding things like new validator client uh, construction and all those those sorts of things. Um, before that, I was actually at Solana Labs, where I spent about a year and a half um, working on product and then working on uh, communications as the head of communications over there, you know, built the first breakpoint and sort of all that fun stuff was part of the team that originally did some of the code work that became Metaplex once it got taken by the actual Metaplex Foundation. Um, and then before that, I was working at Bison Trails doing product marketing for them, um, which ended up getting acquired by Coinbase and became the Coinbase Cloud team over there. Ah, okay. Um, well, then I've got one question for you, Austin. How is it that we have such bad luck with breakpoints? Uh, after every breakpoint, there's some kind of terrible news. Uh, please tell me that it's not it's third time lucky and this year we have no disastrous news after breakpoint. <laughs> you know, I keep trying, like there's a joke around uh, salt conferences as well, um, that there's always something bad that happens around salt conferences. I think there's just a lot of bad stuff that happen in this industry pretty regularly and you can peg them yeah, pretty, uh, pretty much anything. Uh, no, true. but I, you know, I think this is one of the things about like breakpoint last year, which, you know, took place in the last few days, the dying breaths of FTX, right? And um, it was really, I think it was the best time for it to have happened. Like we wouldn't have wanted that to happen and then go into breakpoint. Um, but it was rough. You know? I think it's like you go off the high of like an incredible, you know, 3,500 developer conference that we've heard some amazing work getting done at and things like Fire Dancer, you know, actually being uh, demoed and these sorts of things. Then it's like, oh, like the entire industry is tanking today. 
Um, so yeah, half of us were know. on like long flights and then getting off the flight to get this this news. Um, but anyway, let, let's fast forward to to now. Um, for folks who are a bit newer in Solana, can you tease out like what the difference is between foundation and labs, um, and I guess how they how they sort of uh, collaborate or how they work together? Yeah, certainly. So, you know, as I was saying before, the, the foundation really exists to support the, you know, adoption, advancement, decentralization, and security of the Solana blockchain. And so it's a true nonprofit foundation. It's based in Zug, Switzerland. Um, I work for the U.S. subsidiary of it, but same organization at the end of the day. Um, and really what the, the point of the foundation is, is to sort of help invest and build public goods infrastructure that, you know, an individual team um, or contributor maybe isn't incentivized to do or doesn't have like an economic business model around doing. So in that regard, we sort of operate somewhere similar to like, I wouldn't quite call it a government, right? But it's like, if you think about the analogy of like blockchains as cities, then, you know, the foundation is sort of the, the part that does all the boring stuff that no one else wants to do, like street sweeping and, you know, that kind of stuff. But the sort of stuff that you really need some nonprofit organization structured in doing. And so, uh, you know, if you've received a grant or applied to a grant from, uh, you know, the Solana Foundation, that obviously comes out of the Solana Foundation. Um, they run the delegation program, server program, a lot of other sort of network-wide um, operations that are not, I wouldn't say they're not critical to the network running in any means, but they're, they're just sort of things that like, it's good to have like an industry group working on. Um, additionally, you know, we put out a bunch of reports on sort of like the state of the network and the decentralization report, the validator health report, uh, environmental impact reports, those sorts of things. Solana Labs, on the other hand, primarily an engineering organization, um, profit motivated. Solana Ventures is run out of Solana Labs. Um, you know, the work that they do is really around trying to build things that, you know, could one day be real profitable products and services on the network very similar to sort of what consensus has done in the Ethereum ecosystem. Got you. And I have the sense, at least uh, if you're, if you take Twitter to be the truth, um, then I have the sense that the foundation captures a lot more attention than labs in general. Um, do you have, because the way that you described it, like street sweeping, it's quite non-controversial or uncontroversial, um, but it seems like the foundation can be controversial at times. Do you have an intuition as to why that is? I would say that trash collection is one of the most controversial city services in New York. So I wouldn't necessarily say that just because it's uh, it's boring base level things that that means they're not controversial. Um, you know, I think that it really depends who you are. If you're a developer, Labs is probably a more important entity for you because they currently build the validator client that's live on the Solana blockchain. So changes that are made, um, you know, if you're submitting PRs to improve code base, that's largely Solana Labs as one of the core contributor teams. Mango's another core contributor team. Jump's another core contributor team. Jito's another core contributor team. But, you know, it's folks of these organizations that are sort of involved in that code review process. Foundation's not really involved in that code review process at all. So it really depends kind of what type of user you are, whether you're a developer, whether you're building like an NFT project and sort of where you're, you're sort of looking at that space. Uh, but foundation is not a democracy, right? This is not, it's not run as a democracy. It's, it's run as a nonprofit organization that has a hierarchical structure to some extent. It's, it's a largely flat organization, but you know, there's goals and objectives that um, we at the foundation are trying to accomplish. And that brings me to another point, which kind of, I think, came into focus with 
some of the stuff that was going on in the US around, um, you know, the SEC. And that was kind of, I, I have the sense that in the community, there's a, a wish that the foundation would like take a stronger, a stronger grasp or I don't know, take push things harder or like take more control. Um, but, but then on the other side, people, we also want the ecosystem to grow by itself or not by itself, but to kind of develop itself and, and contribute um, and stand on, on its own two feet, I guess you could say. So how do you walk that fine line between like growing the community to be self-sufficient, um, but not taking too much control that like, you know, the, the community just kind of rests on its laurels and waits for foundation to do something? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I think, one of the more interesting and, and sometimes controversial pieces that I, I hear on this is like, so if we kind of start from the beginning, the, the foundation like is not gatekeeping any one or any entity in the space, right? Solana is a permissionless open network that anyone can deploy code on and build on. You don't need to talk to anyone at labs. You don't need to talk to anyone at foundation. Anyone could spin up a validator. And so from that perspective, like there's a little bit of an overemphasis on the foundation as someone do something, right? Like I think in any moment of crisis, the natural thing people do is they look around and they go like, you know, who's flying this plane, right? What are we doing here? And the answer is mm -hmm. all of us there. It's a blockchain. It's not run by labs or foundation or, uh, you know, Helios or jump or anyone else. It's run by this whole collaborative ecosystem working together to do things. And so from that perspective, the idea that, oh, the foundation should be providing more you know, whatever the, the, it doesn't really hold water, right? Like the, the Ethereum ecosystem did not sort of rely on the Ethereum foundation to make it what it is today. The Ethereum foundation has a very small role in the Solana, in the ecosystem of Ethereum today. If anything, consensus had like a much stronger opinion of what that should be. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, like consensus built a bunch of applications and products on top of the Ethereum network and the Ethereum foundation funded a bunch of research and a bunch of validator clients. And like, that is the same work the Solana foundation does. Um, my sense is there's a lot of people who are not necessarily involved in blockchain for the right reasons. Um, and that those people are particularly upset about decentralization that in their view, they're not in it for an ability to change the world, an ability to build a fairer financial ecosystem, an ability to sort of remove a lot of the overhead and burden involved in engaging in the traditional financial ecosystem, or sort of break the tech company monopolies on social media or, you know, e-commerce or anything, right? They're in it for the token to go up, right? And like, that's a that's fine, right? You're, you're, you're welcome to be involved in any network for any reason. But from that perspective, it leads people down decisions of advocating for things that actually would be very destructive. Like one of the fun thought experiments I love to play is, would Bitcoin be more or less valuable if it had a DAO? Mm -hmm. Just like straight up Bitcoin weighted voting. We don't need anything fancy. We don't need any smart contracts for this. But like there was a DAO that, you know, everyone who held Bitcoin could vote on. Would that make Bitcoin more or less valuable? Um, that's a, I, I wouldn't have the answer to that, but in general, yeah. like what's your, what's your intuition there? My intuition is it would make Bitcoin less valuable, that the value yeah. of Bitcoin comes from the fact that it's not controlled, even controlled by a DAO, right? And so that is like a really big, important component of that. And 
you know, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. Right. But like at the end of the day, all of this stuff, when you're, when it's all coming together, the function of this is to build an ecosystem, um, that is not reliant on any sort of centralized actors. And that includes anything like the foundation, right? The, the goal of the foundation is to one of its many goals, right. But is to not exist in 10 years that the, gotcha. work, the work that's being done today to support, um, you know, the Solana foundation here and all these sorts of things is, um, it is what it is. Right. And, and so like, sorry, I'm saying this poorly. Um, the structure of like Solana foundation in the Solana ecosystem is not one of being in charge. It's one of a support organization of assisting where developers needed of sort of making investments that no individual teams can make on their own like FireDancer, right? Like other validator clients on the network, these sorts of things, building technology like compression. And compression was built by like four or five different teams, right? Metaplex was involved. There's a bunch of other folks that were involved in it. Um, but the foundation's role there was really just coordination, right? It was project management for lack of a better thing. And that work is really important, but that work is not something that requires centralized control in any way. Got you. Uh, one, one quick question there. I saw that I think Cubic uh, released very recently the the like quadratic voting or quadratic funding. Yes. Um, that seems like a really good example of a tool that the foundation can kind of lean into in order to distribute like fair funding across the ecosystem. Yeah. I, I mean, I think fair is a very complicated word here. Mm. No, no one has a, it, no one has a shared definition of what fair is. Right. Is, is yeah. fair. Everyone who applies gets the same amount of money. It doesn't seem inherently uh, fair, right? Is fair mean that everyone who applies gets their application reviewed? Okay, cool. That, that happens currently. Right. Uh, it's very easy to go on Twitter and to put out a bunch of like soft, wishy washy ideology. And this isn't to, you know, knock anyone on Twitter, but like Twitter is a very character limited platform, right? Even with these longer form tweets, like what I would love to see is like more formal proposals coming through. Like we have the SIMD process. There's lots of ways that folks can use these processes and do use these processes to advocate for technical changes that can apply to policy too. Like I think Cubix has built some very cool stuff with quadratic funding. Um, we, we, you know, super team has their, uh, earn .super team .fun as well, which is a whole bounty board for work and jobs and, you know, all those sorts of things as well. So there's many avenues and opportunities for ways that sort of these smaller grants can start getting distributed out. Um, but you know, Solana.org slash grants is the main application portal for that stuff. And, you know, just because a project receives a grant from the foundation or does not receive a grant from the foundation doesn't actually mean anything about the quality of that project, right? It, it just right. means that did it fit a granting criteria that the foundation had previously established, but there are other entities other than just the foundation that give grants too. Uh, quick question there. Do you think the granting topic um, is, is naturally one of the most controversial or is it no. somehow the way the process is done? Like, or, like what's your take there in terms of why it's so controversial? I don't think it's controversial. I think people are in a bear market and upset. Mm, mm. Got I, you. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely don't think it's particularly controversial. Um, I think there's, you know, when you look at the alternatives that are available, which is that everything takes 10 times longer to get done, 
other protocols have gone that route, right? There, there are protocols that have like Polkadot, for example, used to have an open GitHub where every grant, every application, every piece of information, the exact dollar values, when it was approved, all the milestones was all transparent in public. And it made people a lot less willing to apply for grants because mm. suddenly all other information was just out there in public for everyone to see. And maybe they hadn't shipped their project yet. So this, it, there's always this really, you know, like strong tension where if a team comes to us and says, Hey, we have a proposal for how to do something. Do we say like, thank you for your initiative. We're going to take your project. We're going to actually RFP it out and we're going to spend four months evaluating proposals from multiple teams to do exactly the thing you came to us and said you want to do. That yeah. doesn't seem good, right? Like the, 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 all of the reasons that we think government is bloated and inefficient and can't get anything done and has all these rules and procedures, like I don't think recreating that in terms of a funding model for blockchains is the right answer to it. And so when people are usually asking for uh, additional insights, the question is, on my mind is usually like, what, what are you actually trying to accomplish here? Are you trying to audit every dollar the Solana Foundation has ever spent? Well, like, sorry, no, that's not, you know, like, you're not going to see into the full books because that's just not how any nonprofit operates, right? You can't go to, what's the least controversial nonprofit I can think of? You can't go to the Red Cross and say like, hi, we'd like to see your entire accounting books. That's, that's not how it's done. Right. And so, you know, from that perspective, um, that's sort of the way that we, we operate things, at the foundation too. But, you know, if we added a bunch of process to this, it could take even longer to get grants approved or, or declined. Um, you know, part of also the thing folks have to remember is there's about 70 people working at the Solana foundation. There's about two people that are full-time on grants. Right. And so this is a very lean organization intentionally. Because when you add more people to an organization, just by the nature of how organizations work, they tend to take on more and more work and more and more responsibility. And as we, you know, we talked about before, the foundation is not the center of the Solana ecosystem. It has no aspirations to be the center of the Solana ecosystem. It wants to, you know, eventually go away. And so, you know, from that perspective, the work here that's getting done needs to make sure it's not putting itself front and center. Got you. Um, but you mentioned about Twitter being uh, something of a, that you have people who are having a tough time in the bear market. Um, and I've noticed, and I think many have probably noticed that, you know, you're quite a prominent voice um, externally at the foundation. Yes. Like, there's not many people at the foundation who are very in, in the mix on Twitter that I'm aware of. Uh, there's a yeah. few, there's a handful. Uh, and maybe that's, kind of made you in some ways a target at times when there's, um, you know, people who are a bit displeased on certain topics, like how challenging has that been to kind of be a bit of, um, I don't think the, the whipping boy is right. Punching hand, bag. But, you know, to, yeah. To kind of be the, the, yeah. the face of, yeah, the face of the anger, I guess. Or the, yeah. Look, there's uh there's a thing that folks will often say, which is like, ah, oh, you and Chase are like the only two people we see on Twitter. And obviously Tolly's is on Twitter a bunch too, but he totally doesn't work for the foundation. Um, and I think, I guess like the piece I always go back to is like, would you rather that all of the foundation employees were on Twitter all day and not getting any work done? Like there is this trade-off not to say like, I don't do any work, but like, you know, there's a trade-off between like performative work, which sometimes is real work on Twitter. Like Twitter is really important. I meet a lot of people through Twitter. Um, we hire a bunch of people through Twitter and through GitHub. 
Um, you know, th these are these are platforms that are really important to meet people. The number of folks that are like I have had a conversation with on in Twitter DMs, and then like six months later, they're like, "Hey, man, I just built a project and submitted it to the hackathon." It's like that's awesome. Like, did I do that? No. Did that conversation with me maybe encourage them five percent more to build something on Solana? Probably. And so, from that perspective, like Twitter is really important. Um, it is also the world's smallest social media network, and so like we're spending a lot of time expanding past Twitter. I think the YouTube page is doing pretty well. The podcast that I host, Validated, is getting a bunch of attention now, which is really fun. But, you know, we're going to start experimenting with things like TikTok and, you know, the Instagram Reels and Instagram in general and these other formats. Um, but sort of back to your, your core question there, the answer is kind of no. Like, I've been in the Solana ecosystem for two and a half years at this point. Like, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of it and understand where things are in the ecosystem. I'm not worried if there's a angry nft mob going after me on twitter it's going to put my job at jeopardy or anything like that like i'm actually like very comfortable in that role of occasionally being the one that everyone yells at um so you know from that perspective like it can be rough sometimes but at the same time like it's a bear market everyone yeah. is hurting Right. This is not something specific to the Solana ecosystem. Like I know people who work for normal tech companies, they're mad. Right. People I know who work for Netflix are mad. People I know who work for Google are mad. For Facebook are mad. Like, let alone like other other types of organizations. <clears throat> so it's hard right now. Like the macroeconomic situation is not great for most people, um, especially in sort of the Western world in the United States. And I get it. Right. And so that's that's kind of the only thing you can do. Yeah. And I guess one other angle is at least people care, you know, there's some yeah, networks where totally. it's just a very non-existent community and they don't have much engagement. And that's not the case with Solana. I mean, you see like, you know, FUD tweet threads and it's just full of Solana, Solana Maxi, so to say, you know, jumping in and replying. So it's good to see that people are passionate and they want the network to survive and to, to thrive. Oh, hundred well. percent. Yeah. If there were, if, if we were like putting out stuff on Twitter and like no one was like, blowing up my DM is mad at me, I'd be like, oh no, we've lost something, right? Like they're, yeah. they're, the Solana community is second only to Ethereum in terms of its like prolific nature. And it's great. It's like the the, the best thing about this network, you know, the, the, the thing that bodes most strong for this entire ecosystem is just how strong the community is, the staying power of the community. Like we've had folks join who've worked for other layer ones and layer twos. Um, and they're just like, oh my God, the, the community here is so like present. And we're just like, yeah, this is, this is what it's like constantly, right? The, 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 the anger gets redirected sometimes. And like, there's like telegram groups out there where folks are very clearly doing it intentionally. Like there is a trolling component of it too. That is just something that you have to accept. It's like people get mad for a bad reason and then they just kind of continue being mad. And I think a lot of people amp themselves up on Twitter spaces. They amp themselves up in discord chats. Then they should like go on Twitter and decide to try and break some stuff. And like, if that's what you do on your Friday night, great. Like genuinely, like have fun. Like I'm happy for you. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean anything about like the future state of the network. And, and honestly, like I'd rather people be bad at me than someone else who's like newer to the ecosystem. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so one, one lot before we move on from like the, the foundation catching some heat from a few topics, one of the one that I see again and again is, um, around BD, like Solana doesn't do BD, uh, Polygon does all this BD, um, you know, kind of yeah. 
kind of imagining that BD is a silver bullet, I suppose. Um, how would you reply to that? Look, if it were up to me, I don't think we'd have anyone working in BD. Um, I think that the role of business development at a layer one protocol and, you know, Polygon's its own weird thing. And like, I don't want to talk too much about Polygon, but Polygon is not a permissionless decentralized network, right? Polygon is a permissioned network. You have to be approved to run a validator. Like it's a very different, they, they run the bridge. It's a very different type of ecosystem than on Solana. Um, Ethereum never had business development, right? It had people who were building products on it and those products were doing real things. But like, when I look around at like the deals, which are all multi-million dollar deals, sometimes $50 million deals to get things to build on a network that might be considered a competitor to Solana. I haven't seen one that I'm jealous of. I, I mm. don't look at these things and say like, oh, we're not getting a seat at the table when Starbucks is deciding what platform they want to build on, right? Uh, and then if there's things that like we decline to participate in because the check is too high, it's not actual product integration, it's just, you know, marketing and that's all it is. Like that is something I, I you know, I am actually very proud of what the business development team at Solana Foundation passes on. The number of things they're just like, uh, I don't know, like this would be a good announcement, but like it doesn't feel like there's a there there once we dig into what this company is actually planning to do. The place I think that we could do better and that I'm trying to change things around to get us to do a little bit better is providing more materials to teams to do their own business development. So like mm -hmm. we should have a deck that is an open source deck that anyone can go and download and modify and change up and use for their own uses. But it's basically like, here's a bunch of stats that are maintained by the Solana Foundation. Here's generally how the Solana Foundation talks about what the Solana network is. And then the same, think of it as like a reference implementation for business development, the same way we have reference implementations for code. And to say like, okay, great. Like I, I, I run a company and we got a pitch meeting with Nike. They don't know much about Solana. Like you should be able to say like, I'm going to grab the deck from the Solana Foundation and I'll make some modifications to it. I'll, I'll do my own thing. I'll put my own logos on it or whatever. But like fundamentally, you shouldn't have to create your own pitch for Solana just to pitch your company to someone else. And so that's the area I think we could be doing better in. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, if you imagine having, say, a really well-stocked Solana Foundation with a lot of BD um, or having, say, 50 companies on Solana with all with their own BD teams who understand their own situation and, like, what they need to work on, it does seem like just to be more more efficient. And, I mean, yeah. we're ultimately in this game for decentralization, so that would also apply to BD at the Foundation. Um, so moving on to, I guess, more more positive potentially positive topics, depends how you spin it. Um, how would you see Solana's place in the crypto world currently? You know, we referenced the FTX collapse earlier, which was a bit of a dark period. Um, like, how do you see Solana in this present moment? Do you think we're kind of through the worst of it? Um, is there more pain to come? What's your take? I don't think there's any more specific Solana pain to come, but I think as an industry, we're not fully through this yet. Um, you know, if you look at some of the recent news and sort of beginnings of enforcement actions that are taking place, like that stuff's still got to play out, right? The The announcement is not the end of the game there. And so I think there's still a lot left to see how that ends up with regard to sort of those situations there. Um, 
But in general, I think Solana is incredibly well positioned relative to other networks in this space. Like if crypto is going to get through this, I think Solana is like, which I do think crypto is going to get through this, right? But, you know, anytime there's there's serious legislation coming, uh, it's always a question. I think crypto is going to get through this. And I think Solana is incredibly well positioned coming out of that. Whether that is like actual legislation that creates frameworks, whether that is an understanding that, you know, uh, you know, uh, legislation or, you know, rulemaking through enforcement isn't actually going to go forwards, whatever the sort of situations might be that we end in. Um, yeah, the, the developer activity on Solana is, just continues to grow. Um, and you, there are truly applications on Solana you cannot build on any other blockchain today. And that is the biggest thing that I look for is like our new developers who want to build high performance uh, applications or applications that just quite frankly need the performance of a network like Solana, are they picking Solana? And the answer is yes. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the, the question on my mind is just, will Solana be able to maintain that um, performance gap over over like a longer period? And I suppose that will play out with Firedancer to see, you know, because Firedancer well, has, has big promise. Yeah, well, what timeline are you thinking of there? So, I mean, all the different chains are moving forward, you know, at different speeds and we've seen some nice advances you know on the l2s on ethereum lately so i, I do feel that there's like a, a window of opportunity for solana to really drive home its performance its performance um its performance advantage but then yeah. with fire dancer it may it may continue so it's hard to say <laughs> yeah i guess i haven't really seen any l2s or other networks that are pushing into triple digits yet mm. in terms True. of tps there's nothing True. that seems like it's over the 300 low hundreds let's call them um in the evm landscape now there's there's monad coming at some point and yep. end of this year or next year but you know we'll have to see what that looks like but right now i don't really see any networks that are competing with solana in terms of throughput especially when you look at single state and how do you think about the i do hate to use this term solana killers but it feels appropriate for aptos and sui do you have any thoughts on on those networks um, so we haven't really seen much from Aptos. I, they're not coming up in conversations that we're having with teams. So I really don't have much of a perspective on them right now. Um, for Sui, I mean, Sui is interesting. And like, I, I mean, like genuinely it's technically interesting because it is the first network we've seen that has made intentional compromises to optimize for certain types of transactions over others, right? So he has a dual consensus mechanism. There, there's some stuff that go through typical slow consensus, and there's certain types of transactions that, you know, if, if I'm trying to do something and I own all of the accounts I'm trying to talk to, right? Like if, I, if, I, if I'm trying to send you an NFT or something along those lines, that actually can skip consensus. That just needs to chain signature verification and broadcast out to the network. Um, that means regular consensus is slower, right? So, so Sui is probably going to be worse for DeFi, but it might be attractive for something like payments or some types of gaming. Um, that's interesting. Like, I don't know what that means for its success as a project. Like, we we don't see developers choosing, you know, Sui or Solana. I think mostly like they're they're building. If they're building on Sui, they're doing it for specific reasons that stuff can be built on Sui, right? But I think it's, I always love networks that are taking a new bet on a new type of technology or doing something in a different way. So why I love networks like Arweave, right? Like Arweave is like, 
not remotely a competitor to Solana at all. It's a decentralized storage network and storage on Solana is actually quite expensive, um, but they're doing something different. And for me, that's very interesting. So I think we'll see, but uh, you know, all of these sort of like, if you want to use the term Solana killer is like, I don't know if you can kill Solana at this point. Mm. Like after yeah. the last two years, like I don't know what could kill Solana if it survived all of this. Teflon Solana, indeed. Yeah. Um, with regard to the tense environment for crypto in the US that, that we're seeing in the, like the last months, and I suppose it's been probably for a yeah. couple of years now, but coming to a head finally, uh, do you have a a take on that, and like how do you see that affecting Foundation or Labs moving forward? I don't really see it affecting foundation or labs because of the domains these companies operate in, right? Neither one's launching tokens or building DeFi products or, or something like that. It's just, you know, contributors to open source code base and giving grants and those sorts of activities. So I, you know, there's no plans that I'm aware of on Solana labs to like move a bunch of folks overseas and same with, um, you know, Solana foundation, we have employees all over the world. And I think this is where you'll see like, if there are new hires in business development, they're not going to be in the Western markets. They're going to be, you know, we're going to probably have more people in Asia at the end of 2023 than we did at the beginning of 2023, like th those sorts of things. Um, so from that perspective, like, I don't think it's a huge impact on Solana Labs or Solana Foundation. Um, but it is a really big impact on the United States. Uh, we're, we're already seeing many crypto founders leaving. Um, and they're usually application level, not network level, but they're leaving and that's not good, right? Like that just full stop. Like I want competitive blockchain companies built in the United States. I want the best builders to be getting visas and, you know, immigrating to the United States and choosing this as the country to build their projects on. Uh, I can't imagine how many <laughs> bad effects for the world it would have happened if the internet was not developed in the United States or Western Europe. Right. If, if the if the culture of the Internet had been one of a more authoritarian regime, that would have been bad for the entire Internet. Right. And so I, this is what I worry about in crypto, too. Like pushing crypto offshore doesn't make anyone safer. Um, addressing good legislation, coming up with good rules like right now, if you want to launch a crypto startup in the United States and you want to do anything that involves like tokens, it's basically a minimum of a million dollars in legal fees. Compare that to the cost of starting a SaaS company. You need like 500 bucks for Stripe to make you a corporation in Delaware. You need like a credit card you can put some AWS credits on. And like, that's it, right? The, the, the cost of starting a company that is not crypto in the United States is so low. And that's why there's so many great startups that come out of the United States. It's become incredibly expensive to launch any sort of crypto company here. And so I think that's really sad to see. And I really hope we get to a place where like founders feel safe and comfortable building in the United States. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually impossible to imagine someone moving to the US to build a crypto company these days. I mean, it, it just wouldn't happen, which is a real yeah. shame to see. It's a real shame, um, especially because like New York is still like kind of the crypto capital of the world right now, which is wild. We're yeah. like the least friendly crypto state in a pretty unfriendly crypto country. But, you know, still here we are. Yeah, hopefully things move in a better direction. Uh, it seems like there's some little green shoots of good news coming, but yeah, we'll see how that pro progresses in the coming months. Uh, so let's just, um, you know, we're hitting time soon. I'm curious just to hear, you've mentioned a lot of things that make you positive about the Solana, the Solana ecosystem, the Solana community. 
in general, like, is there any specific elements that really keep you fired up? Is there any, say, in 10 years, you want the foundation to kind of um, retire itself in a sense? Um, yeah. What would the what are you hoping that Solana can bring to the world in that period? Oh, there's so much. I mean, I think we've already seen that, like, it's possible to build things on Solana. It's not possible to build on other networks. And so that is the philosophy that's going to keep the network moving forwards, right? It's it's this idea that um, every ounce of performance that's possible to squeeze out of the hardware running the network, like, should be squeezed out. And we'll see increased resiliency come with some of the stuff. We will see, you know increased decentralization, but Solana is already one of the most decentralized proof of stake networks out there. Um, 10 years is a really, really long timeline to look forward into, right? But I think if we're even talking like a few years out from now, two or three validator clients operating on the network uh, would be huge to see. I think we'll probably, we'll certainly get to two, we might get to three, like truly independent validator clients. That would be really neat to see. Um, and, you know, I think just the, the UX is so much better than when I joined. Right, just like that two and a half years between like um, the experience of using like Solid versus like Phantom and Glow and all these wallets, let alone all this embedded wallet technology that's happening now. So I, I think like the next 12 months are going to be a, a really interesting time for consumer crypto applications outside of the United States. The one caveat there is like I am pretty supportive of the stablecoin legislation drafts that are kicking around. Um, the Waters bill and the McHenry bill, if they can get some good reconciliation in there and we can actually get a carve out of a classification of payment stablecoin in the United States, suddenly I expect many, many merchants are going to be accepting USDC on Solana and, you know, PAX dollar and GMO dollar. It's going to be very cool to see. Yeah, I would love to see that. The, the fees you pay, especially once you step out of Western Europe or the US, the fees you pay for card payments is is really egregious these days. So it would be really nice to see us actually start to compete with that, which was yeah. one of the original promises of crypto. And it's it's just, it's a shame it's taken such a long time to actually get us to a point where it's feasible to compete with um, you know, your right? Mastercard or your Visa. Yeah, it's a real bummer. Yeah, and you know even right now the companies that want to do it, like these little merchants, are like. I don't know, man, like, I don't want to get sued. Like, I don't know how to properly accept USDC. Like, what What if What if the SEC comes at me and says, like, oh, you didn't file this one form. And they're like, if I just use Stripe, it's all taken care of for me. And so that's, I think, the real unlock is, like, you know, these payment providers saying, we can still take our 1% take rate, but we're going to charge, we're going to bring the rate the merchant pays down from 2.8% to maybe, like, 1.1%. And that's going to be huge for, I think, a lot of folks. Yeah, absolutely. It's not really an accident that it's taken such a long time to get crypto payments widespread. I think there's been some um, malfeasance abound to, to cause that. Um, speaking in a shorter time frame, say one year, I'd love to get your prediction on where you think the majority of the user acquisition will come for Solana in the upcoming year. Mm -hmm across some of the popular categories that you know we're familiar with, like DeFi, NFTs, gaming, et cetera? It's a good question. Um, I continue to remain hopeful for games, but I haven't really seen a ton of evidence yet that like games are actually bringing more users to any blockchain. Um, I think a lot of that's because the games right now aren't using blockchain particularly well. It's like, oh, we have an off-chain game, and like there's some NFTs that maybe interact with the blockchain in some way. And that's that's not really the true dream we've been promised. 
I think institutional payments is another area where we could see some, some activity, but I'm excited about consumer social. I think there's some really interesting things kicking around in sort of smaller social media networks. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean like we're going to get something on chain that's going to compete with Instagram. Maybe we will. I don't know. But I think it's more around things like, can you take the community that's behind something like Strava or Whoop and can you tokenize that? And can you rebuild that on a blockchain? And can you basically use blockchain as a differentiator um, as to why someone would want to engage in one of these smaller communities? I, I think you see something very similar when you look at um, deep end networks as well. Yeah, with the recent, what you would call them, I guess, uh, protests on Twitter, uh, not Twitter, on, on Reddit, um, it does make you think like there's a ways yeah. to redo these networks in a way that actually actually rewards people for their time and effort. And it seems like you know, Reddit moderators are a great example of people who put a lot of effort in and get, I mean, I'm sure they get some joy from it, but they don't really get much from Reddit for their, for their time and effort. Um, so, yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah, I mean, the the other one here is like, you know, something like HiveMapper, right? Like HiveMapper mm -hmm. is a great example of like, it's basically decentralized Google Street View. And, you know, Waze ran on free labor, right? All these things basically run on free labor, um, like map contributors that just helped them in the early days and they sold for a billion dollars and the early contributors didn't get at any of that. Right. And so I think this is where like the idea that decentralized physical infrastructure networks can be owned by their users and owned by their most loyal users is a really compelling um, vision for a lot of folks. Yeah, completely agree. All right, Austin, last question. Uh, you've been in a strategic role for some time now and you've, you've covered a few different roles in the Solana space. I'm curious to get a, your advice on a book that had a big uh, influence or impact on you in those roles um, that people can use if they're like getting into crypto and they want to get in a similar kind of role as you? It's a great question. Uh, you know, from a strategic perspective, um, I'm forgetting the name of the book, but it's the, it's, it's the memoir of basically the skunk works program um, at Lockheed Martin. Uh, there's a, like a whole list of like 14 rules to sort of live by from the skunk works. And some of them are like very aerospace specific and don't apply. There's other ones that are like, Keep the team as small as humanly possible and focus on outcomes. There's a ton of work like that that I think crypto does a very good job in. Um, but it's it's really something to be kind of cautious of is like the growing too quickly, overinflating the team beyond what's necessary. Um, you know, keep things compartmentalized, make decisions, move quickly. I think that's a really good uh, overview of that. Um, the other one I'll say, which is like a different kind of strategic thinking, um, is I actually like am one of those like weirdos who enjoys reading like NTSB reports on like command and control failures. Um, so like okay. there's a there's um this is a book by Eric I forget his last name called Command and Control, which is all about um, nuclear accidents or near accidents and like the failures in command and control systems. Um, and that's really good. I, I really like it's weirdly it's one of those weird books like actually helps you think through like how systemic failures occur. Um, and so th that's kind of one area that I, I really, I, th I think is very useful here, but like the biggest thing in any strategic role is like, keep an open mind, like don't solidify yourself into thinking this is the right way, or I know best. Like most of the best ideas come from the Solana community. They don't come from the Solana foundation. They don't come from Raj or Tolly. They don't come from me. They come from breadcrumbs of ideas on Twitter 
or you know that folks they meet at a hacker house or something like that and those kick around for a while and eventually that becomes something got you awesome yeah i'll put them in the show notes uh, for people to check out then thank you so much austin for coming on and chatting with me and you know dive, i was gonna say dive deeping but deep, deep diving into the solana foundation solana ecosystem what's been going on you know your take uh, it's been fascinating and you know, I'm very, very, very pumped for the breakpoint in Amsterdam. And I'll be keeping my fingers crossed that we have a stress-free two weeks after. That's the hope. <laughs> the first time ever. Yes. Um, awesome. And yeah, thanks again, Austin, for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review if you're feeling generous. And I'd also like to give a brief reminder that nothing said on the podcast is financial advice. My views are my own. And when navigating crypto, remember that you are responsible for your own assets and always do your own research.